Luke chapter 18 this morning. Luke chapter 18. If you bump it up there one degrees, my friend, it'll be all right. It's hard to find a happy medium in these rooms sometimes, you know. I'm excited. I'm going to start a brand new series today, uh, which I'll give you in a second. Praise the Lord. But in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 18, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8, and I'll kind of introduce what we're going to be talking about here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for hungry hearts. You said that if we hunger and we thirst after righteousness, then we would be filled. And so we thank you for filling us today, Lord, to overflow. As the psalmist of old said, our cup runneth over, Lord. May that be the case with all of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said uh, on many occasions, in any given church service across America, there's a thousand and one subjects you could teach on. There's all kinds of topics and subjects. But I think the most important topic is what the Lord would have you to speak on at any given moment. Amen? And it's interesting sometimes because I'll talk to other pastor friends of mine that are across the states and other states, you know, miles from us. And I'll ask them sometimes, oh, well, what have you been sharing on? And, it's, uh, and, it's, and you compare the notes, and it's like almost identical. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's the same spirit talking. Amen. And, you know, uh, in the book of Revelation, Jesus told the apostle John, he said, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So, you know, the, the same Holy Spirit that was back there in Revelation on the Isle of Patmos is the same Spirit that's here today. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's not twins. He doesn't have... He's the same Holy Spirit that was back in Jesus when He walked this earth. And the same Spirit is here today. Amen? Now, Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says... And I'm going to read this out of the NLT, Josh, if you bring that up, the NLT, the New Living Translation. I like this translation. It says, One day Jesus told His disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. How many of you know it's important to pray and never give up? And he says, And there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Now underline that phrase there. He neither feared God nor cared about people. Now how many of you know this is not the God that we serve? He's comparing him here. He says in verse 3, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Verse 4. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or do I care about people. Verse 5. But this woman is driving me crazy. <laughs> we know that's not God. Right? I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. All right. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Okay, now this couldn't be talking about God, the unjust judge. Okay. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't think God will surely give justice. Uh, he says, don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, He will grant justice to them quickly. 
Now notice this phrase in verse 8. But when the Son of Man returns, how many of you know Jesus is going to return? And I believe that we are the generation that will see His return. It's called the rapture of the church. Amen? All these major prophecies have been fulfilled. One of which is a major a major prophecy being fulfilled is Israel coming back to their homeland in 1947. And Israel became a nation. And Israel is God's time clock. I won't, won't take a lot of time to get into that, but you know, Jesus said, consider the fig tree. And when the fig tree shoots forth leaves, you know that the end is near. Amen? And so he says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Now the King James says, shall he find faith in the earth? So Jesus is coming back and he's looking for faith. Now the first thing I want you to do, Jesus is comparing an unjust judge and how this woman did what she did to go to him to get justice, you know. He's, and Jesus is saying, how much more will your father quickly respond to his children? Are you with me now? Still a little cold in here. It says, uh, but when the Son of Man returns, here's what I want to focus on here. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? How many will he find that have faith in the earth? Now today what I want to talk about is living by faith. Say living by faith. Now, I want to lay kind of a foundation here today, and I want you to treat this as if you've never heard this before. I think uh, the Lord dealt with me. He said, he said, Keith, if you approach any given subject as if it's the first time that you heard it, you'll be more eager to receive revelation from that particular message. Because sometimes we have a tendency that, and I, I used to do this, and I went to Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's Bible school, you know, and he was the king of repeating stories and stuff like that, right? And you knew every, every single time, I know where he's going with this, you know, I know what he's going to say, I know the story he's going to tell, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, but like Mark Hankins used to say like this, he says, if revelation frustrates you, then you don't have a revelation of it. <laughs> Amen? And so if, if we've heard something before, and a lot of times the God, God will have me repeat certain things and certain stories, and, and, and I know right away, you I've heard that before. If you've been here any length of time, you say, I've heard that story before. But if we have an open heart and an open mind, God can impart a, a, a wisdom truth in that that maybe you didn't see the previous time. I got tapes that are almost as old as me, okay? And I'll go back and I'll hear those tapes. And they're on my computer or my phone now, actually, you know. And uh, I've downloaded all kinds of series and tape from way back, messages, you know. And here's the thing, that I can still get hold of revelation from a message that was taught in 1975. <laughs> By keeping an open spirit and open mind. Now the thing we have to understand is God isn't like an unjust judge that we see here. He is not an unjust God. All right? Number two we see from this, this incident we, we just read right here in Luke that God is looking for faith in the earth. And the, thirdly, I want to say this. The thing that God wants more than anything else is to be believed. 
What is God looking for? He just wants to be believed. Amen? Now, how many of you hear that when you say something, you like people to believe what you say? Okay? You know, if you're a child of God, you, you want to be believed. Amen? I could use Brother Martin over here. I'll pick on him for a second here. And say, Brother Martin, oh, he's a, he's a wonderful guy. What a blessing he is. I'm telling you, he serves God with all his heart. But don't believe a word he says. That's insulting to him. Whenever, any, I could use anybody in this room. That would be insulting. You know, you can brag on them, talk about them and everything. And all of a sudden you say, what I just said, I don't believe a word they say. Okay? So the, the thing that people want is that God wants is he wants us to believe him. And when Jesus comes back, and even before he comes back, even now his eyes are upon the earth, he's looking to just be believed. That's, that's the thing God wants more than anything else. He wants us to just say, I believe your word, Father. Final authority, I believe your word. Now let's go over to Hebrews chapter number 11 here in the New Testament. If you would, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll start with verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11. And it says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now in verse 1 we have the word, now faith is. See the, the first three words? Now, if you look at now, faith is, let's just say it's like a sandwich. You have now on one side and you have is on the other side, right? And what's, the meat is faith, that's in the middle, right? So it's like a sandwich. Both of those words are present tense. Now and is. Say now and is. Okay. Faith is always right now. If it's not now, it's called hope. That's future. Okay? So faith is right now. And someone, for example, someone says, I'm believing the Lord is going to heal me. Is that faith or no faith? It's no faith. Because that's putting it off to the future. But faith takes what's written in the Word and says, I have it now. All right, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, another translation says that faith is the title deed. Faith is the title deed. Everybody know what a title deed is? Have you ever paid something off a vehicle or something, you know, and, uh, and then the bank sends you a title deed? Anybody ever have that happen before? That nice piece of paper, you want to just frame it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, um, and a title deed is proof of ownership. And you don't have to see the particular thing. I had someone many years ago now uh, give my wife a car. Okay, you know the story. I talked about it before. Uh, it was a, much of a surprise to us, but they gave us the title deed before we even saw the car. Okay? And they took us out to eat, sat down, and they slid an envelope across the table and gave us uh, an envelope, just a card. We opened it up, and here it was a, a title deed of a vehicle that they had. And then a few minutes later, we went outside and we saw the vehicle. Okay? That's what, about eight years ago, nine years ago? No, it's been a while. And, uh, but, you know, when we looked and we saw the title deed, we didn't, like, 
question it. We didn't say, uh, do you think this thing's real, Lynn? Like we knew these people. They're people of integrity, you see. And uh, it was, as far as we were concerned, it was finished. It was done. It was completed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, faith is the title deed. Now, verse 2 says, For it by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, that things that are seen were made of things that do not appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, verse 4, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying his gifts that by being dead yet speaketh. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death but was, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Okay. Now in verse 6 we'll stop right here. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. Notice that. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the, everybody here is familiar with the Hall of Fame of like football, baseball, different sports, right? Uh, football Hall of Fame is right over here in Canton, Ohio, which is about, what, two hours away from here, you know. And in order to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, first of all, you have to play professionally, and secondly, secondly, you have to really perform at a high level, okay? And then they vote you in, okay? Not everybody that plays in the NFL is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Only the real superstars, okay? Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, we, I like to call this the Hall of Fame of faith, okay? Because it says, by faith, so-and-so. By faith, so-and-so. By faith, they did this, Right? And it lists a whole bunch of people right there. And, uh, and I was thinking about this one day, and I thought, that's interesting because it's not an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty complete list. And I think over 21 times it's said by faith, by faith, and one time it says through faith, but it says by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Couldn't he have said it just once? Well, see, the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures. Men were moved by inspiration of God when they wrote the scriptures. So there's a reason why they said, by faith. Because there would come a time in 2019 that God saw a bunch of us here in this room right now, that there are things that we needed to see accomplished in our lives and things take place in our lives. How is it going to be established and how is it going to be accomplished? By faith. <laughs> Amen? How many of you are saved? The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. And so, how many of you here have received the free gift of salvation? It's a free gift. You don't work for it. You don't, you don't pound the pavement. You don't go out there and do good things in order to get saved because we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through Jesus, through faith. Amen. And so... But the verse I want to focus on right here, again, is verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Say impossible. impossible. 
Oh, pastor, I want to please God. I've met people through the years. Oh, Lord, I want to please, I want to please the Lord. I want to do the right thing. Well, how do I do that? By faith. Now, it says right there, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. That means there's no other way that you and I can please the Father. So, let me ask you this question. Do you think faith is a pretty important subject? We saw in Luke 18 that Jesus said, before the Son of Man comes back, shall he find faith in the earth? He's looking for men and women that stand out, that have faith. What is that? Just trust. A trust. Did you know right this morning, as you came into this room, every one of you exercised faith and you didn't even know it? Let me give you an example. You sat down on that chair. You believed that chair could hold you up. Correct? I didn't see one person, man or woman, come into this room today and examine the chair and look at it and look underneath it and kind of feel it and then very softly sit down on that chair like you were hesitant at the chair. No, but you plopped yourself right down on there. You, Okay? Now, that's natural human faith. Amen? And I'll have to say there's been a few times I've sat on some older chairs. I was wondering, is it going to hold me up? <laughs> But all things being equal like this, you exercise faith and you sat in that chair. That's a natural faith. I had faith that when I come in this morning, I'd turn those, that light switch on. I didn't even stop and think whether the lights would come on or not. All right? But that, that's a natural faith. Well, there's a supernatural faith that when you got saved, God deposited within you a supernatural faith. Every one of you that are born again and know Jesus, you have faith on the inside of your heart. Now, that faith can be developed. When you were born into this earth, you still had the same arms and legs and muscles. They were just undeveloped. But you had all the components, okay? You had a heart. You had lungs. You had a brain, okay? It was just in a younger stage. But as you grew, it developed, right? And so it is with our, our faith and our trust in the Lord. And and I think back even in my own life, because I know my life better than anybody, that there are some things that I used to struggle with, with trusting God way back in the day. And now it's almost laughable because as you grow in the things of God, your trust grows, your roots grow deeper. The thing that used to really uh, rock your boat, so to speak, doesn't do that anymore because you've, you've grown to trust, just like you can trust a person. Amen. Now... Uh, now it says there that without faith it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. Do you mind if I take this off here? It's impossible. It's, it's hard to get a, a medium in this room. It is impossible to please God without faith. So we could say it like this. Faith is the only avenue whereby we can please God. Now, let me give you an example. The address of this hotel is 303 Park Manor Drive. Okay? And when you drove in here, you had to come Park Manor Drive, whether you knew it or not. Just that little side road right over here, right? You came in here. Okay? And uh, that is the only way that you could get to this hotel. How many of you drove here this morning? Anybody walk? <laughs> But you drove, and the only avenue that you, you had to use was Park Manor Drive. Now, I use that as an illustration because the only avenue 
that we have to please God is faith evident. Lord, I trust you. Now let's look again at verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh, notice this, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now somebody said this when I was in Bible school, and I'll never forget it. It's impossible to be a diligent seeker of God unless you first believe that He is. Okay? Now, let, me, let me give you an example. A few minutes ago, we had a worship service. We had praise and worship. We sang. We worshiped God. That's just as important, an important part of the service as the message itself. Okay? Sometimes people think that's just warm up. You know what I'm saying? Do some jumping jacks. You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, okay, then we'll catch the service. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. You cannot worship God without doing it by faith. Because you, you could come here and say, what are they lifting their hands for? They're standing there and they're, some people are a little bit emotional. What's the deal with that? Okay? Well, here's the thing. If you're in the flesh, you can't worship. If you're in the natural, you can't worship. I've known people for years that refuse to worship. They stand there like this. And just look around. And just look around. Well, everybody's worshiping God. And they don't realize how much they're missing out. Because even when you worship, you have to do it by faith. Because you don't, you're not looking out and you see there's Jesus on the throne of God. Now, if we could see that, it would be real easy to worship. But as far as I know yet, I've never walked into a church service. I've been in thousands of church services through the years. I've never actually physically seen Jesus, but it didn't stop me from worshiping. That's what pleases God when you can praise Him even though you cannot see Him. And you know, it's possible to have a conversation with someone that you can't see. How many of you pick your phone up and you call someone and you talk to them? You say, hey, how you doing? I know I can't see you, so I'm not sure if you're real or not. I'm just kind of, you wouldn't do that. Somebody could be, now these walls are fairly thin, okay? And if somebody, if one of you were on the other side of this wall, you could, you'd have to raise your voice a little bit, but you could have a conversation with a person behind the wall without even seeing them. But you don't yell over and say, hey, I don't believe that you're, I can't see you, so you must be fake. <laughs> Are you with me? So without faith it's impossible that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You cannot be a diligent seeker of God and be fully rewarded without first believing that God is. You have to believe that he is. I, I, one of the most important things that we could ever do is to be God inside minded. And as a Christian, you can be self conscious, people conscious, devil conscious, and some people are just flat unconscious. Okay? But then we can be God conscious. God conscious. Now, that doesn't mean that you're flaky and you're weird and you, fly, you know, float around saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, 24-7. That's, sometimes that's just a put-on. Okay? But, you know, you can have a calm confidence about you and walk around 
and carry on conversations with people. I do all the time. And I'm hearing what they're saying, but yet I'm hearing the Spirit of God talk to me at the same time. I'm conscious. I try to do that. I try to practice that. I'll be talking with people because my goal when I get up every day, Lord, how can I be a greater blessing to the people that I come in contact with today? I want to be a better person. I want, to be a, I want to add something to people's lives, whether it's in a church setting like this or one-on-one. Because people are important. People are the object of ministry. <laughs> and we can, we, never have, we can never forget that. People, ministry is all about people, ministering to saints, ministering to people. Hallelujah. But, you know, you have to... You have to do it by faith. Now, here's what I do. Just a little little side thought here is I was doing this this morning, and I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, and 2 Corinthians 6.16. Okay, so what is that? We're not going to turn to that. But all three of these scriptures talk about how that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Say, my body, my body. is God's temple. Hallelujah. Now, I, saw, I got a revelation of this one time, and I thought, hmm. Uh, you know, people say stuff like this. Oh, God, I want you to be right next to me. Be my co-pilot. Be next to me. Well, as far as God's concerned, that's too far. <laughs> that's too far. Now, if God was right here next to me, that's good, right? But what's better, God next to me or God in me? Oh. You see, God was with Israel. God was for Israel, but God was not in Israel. Not until Jesus was raised from the dead. And when Jesus was raised up from the dead, oh my, the Lord sent His Spirit and placed Him on the inside of each and every one of you that accepted Him. As many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Think about that. So, uh, now, there's no special feeling necessarily to saying my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? But here's the thing. Communic- uh, uh, Philemon chapter 1, it's only one chapter. Verse 6 says, The communication of your faith may become effectual or effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you have a stomach? How many of you have a heart? How many of you have lungs? Now, you haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. But you know you couldn't exist without it. Okay? Not one time. No, I've seen x-rays of my, my body before, but, you know, doesn't look like me. <laughs> it's not like a picture. <laughs> Amen? You make it one degree core, brother. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but... Uh, Hallelujah. You can come to church and lose weight at the same time. What do you say? Praise God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is nothing more than a a simple childlike trust. Praise God. And I, I found sometimes you can either, you can be more conscious of God than other times. I'm sure all of you have experienced that, you know. And, and uh, you know, we need to be careful about the kind of music we play. 
because music is really made up of words. Okay? Now, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I grew up in the 70s, you know, and I was a rock and roller back in the day before I knew Jesus, you know what I'm saying? And it's amazing how you can hear a song, you'll be going along, and you'll hear something from the 70s or something like that, and it instantly brings back a memory that you had back. Sometimes it's not a good memory. The B.C. days, you know what I'm saying? So music can stir you up. And music was not created by the devil. It was created by God. The devil just turned it and twisted it. You know, the devil didn't create anything. He's a perverter. He can't create anything. He only perverts what God made. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, let's go real quick. I'm going to just go through this real quick. Uh, Go to Habakkuk, um, the second chapter. If you're not sure, it's probably back where all your pages are stuck together in your Bible. We'll stick it up here on, stick it up here on the screen. Some people call it Habakkuk, Habakkuk, whatever. He'll respond to both. <laughs> now, I wanna, I'm going to show you something here in Habakkuk chapter 2. Oh, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. I guess that would help if I said the verse, right? Habakkuk 2, verse 4 says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Let's say it together. But the just shall live by faith. So the just is the righteous ones. That's you and I. Now, go to the New Testament. We'll just look at this. Again, in Romans, the first chapter, starting with verse 16. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, I love what Paul said here. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, it came to the Jews first and then they were to take it to the rest of the world. And then look at verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, The just shall live by faith. Now we just, isn't that a familiar phrase? We just read that in Habakkuk. He said, It is written, The just shall live by faith. So he is actually quoting what we just read in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. So out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, right? Well, if that's not enough, go to Galatians chapter 3 and look at this. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 11, Paul the Apostle says here, but, but, but that no man is justified by the law... Or, in other words, keeping the law, the Ten Commandments. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Well, here comes that phrase again that pops up the third time, right? But the just shall live by faith. Now, let's go to one more. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. By faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, it doesn't say there that God will be mad at you, that God will dislike you, that God will hate you. It's not what it's saying. It's just when it comes to pleasing God, he said, the just shall live by faith. 
the just shall live by faith. Let's say that one more time. The just shall live by faith. So that is the name of our topic here that we're just kind of introducing here today, that the just shall live by faith. Now, you see evidence of this throughout the Bible. Of, uh, and there's also modern day uh, testimonies, people even in this room. And I'm sure that if we had this type of a service, like a testimony service, there are things that you stood for back in the day in your life. How many of you have a testimony of something that God brought you through? And at the time, it was pretty rough. You were going through a rough time. And, you know, it could have been physically. It could have been a, a relationship, relationship problem. You know, it could have been any, any given problem that people have. But as you trusted the Lord and you worked through those emotions, that's one of the biggest things, I think, that we have to work through is the emotions. Now, faith is a transaction. It's a belief system. And when you make a transaction, there's not necessarily a feeling attached to that. And I think that's what throws us sometimes because we think that God's in control of the goosebump department. You know, that if, if He says something or does something, it's always going to be like, whoa, did you feel that? Now, sometimes you'll have feelings, you know, but more often than not, it's, it's, it's something that takes place without any feeling whatsoever. Okay? Now, how many of you ever gone to the bank before and, and put a deposit? You drove through the bank and you made a deposit. That's called a transaction, right? Or you went to the ATM machine and you, you took money out, you know, and you put your card in there. You ever done that before? It's a transaction that takes place, whether it was a deposit or withdrawal. You never once went to that and had a transaction and walked away saying, man, I feel so good. Oh, man, I feel so good. Oh, do you feel the anointing? It's not like that at all. It's like, it's like, okay, I put my card in, got the money out, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you don't think twice about it. Now, faith is a spiritual, legal transaction that takes place when you just say, I believe God. I believe God. That it shall be, even as it was told me. Now, I borrowed that phrase, actually. I didn't come up with it on my own. But the Apostle Paul, when he was on the way to Rome, and, uh, and he was, actually, he was a captive. He was taken prisoner on the boat, not for smuggling weed or anything like that, but because he was preaching the gospel. All right? They arrested him, and he was persecuted, and they were going to bring him before Caesar. And so, uh, you know, before he launched out, before they launched out, he was a prisoner on this boat. Um, the weather was beautiful. The sun was out. No clouds. Nice beach day. And, um, and uh, Paul told the people, the captain of the ship and those that were there, he says, uh, uh, he says, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much damage, not only for our lives, but the cargo of the ship as well. Remember that in the book of Acts? And the scripture tells us, and I'm just referring to this in the book of Acts, that they treated Paul, I'm paraphrasing, they treated what he said like a fairy tale, like, who are you? But Paul said this, I perceive. Notice that phrase. He says, I perceive. He didn't say, I had a vision. He didn't say, Jesus appeared to me. He just said, I perceive. Hmm. So as a Christian, as a born-again Christian, you can train your spirit to become sensitive enough to perceive what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Now, most of the time we think uh, that 
when God speaks to us that we hear it with these ears like audibly. You know, like God said, Joe, go down the street, turn right. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever your name is. Now, I have never heard the audible voice of God personally. But I've heard the Lord's voice in my spirit. Okay? But, uh, and this is of course another, another subject, but this will, will tie in right here that being led by the Holy Spirit, it, it, after, after you become a Christian, being led by the Holy Spirit is one of the most important subjects you could ever learn. The first book I ever got a hold of, somebody bought me a book called How to Be Led by the Holy Spirit. It was by Kenneth E. Hagin. And it was a white book, had a, white, a blue dove on the front. They changed the title or the, uh, the cover now. But you can still get How to Be Led by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. That was like someone giving me a check for $10 million. I was like, how to, man, that I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I just didn't know how. I've heard other people being led by the Holy Spirit. I just didn't know how. But boy, I'll tell you what, I got a hold of that book, you know. When he came to, to uh, the Syria Mosque. Were you there, Brother Dan? In 1981, I think it was. Either 81 or 82. Anybody remember the Syria Mosque? That big? It's not there anymore. They blew it. They blew it up. <laughs> but uh, it was built in the very early 1900s, and he came there. And there's like three balconies there. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? And uh, so he came there, and somebody bought me that book, I believe, and it was called, I can't remember who it was, How to Be Led by the Holy Spirit. And it was the first book I ever had, and I got that book. If you don't have that book. Best thing you could do is get a hold of that book under Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And it, you know, Jesus appeared to him and gave him these truths. He was in, the, in, the, in a hospital because he was disobedient, okay? And his arm got dislocated. But while he was in the hospital, the Lord walked into his room, literally walked into his room. He said he heard somebody coming down the, the hallway in this, it was in El Paso, Texas. I remember that, 1959. And he said, uh, he said he opened the door and he expected to see a nurse come walking in, you know. And, uh, and here he said, he looked and there's Jesus in a robe, sandals, Roman sandals, beard. He said, he said, it was every hair of my body just stood up on him. He said, Jesus walked in there, pulled up a chair, sat beside him. And he says, the other day I told you by my spirit that I was going to visit you and here I am to talk to you. Okay. And know the interesting thing about, I get chill, chills up my spine when I think about it. He said, the interesting thing was, he goes, no, no staff the whole time even endeavored. Even, nobody even came in the room until Jesus was gone. Now, not only have I read about that, I've heard him personally tell this many times, okay? And I mean, I'm thinking, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, appeared to this man. I want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> All right? And, and, and so Jesus sat down and he, I said for three, I think it was three or three and a half hours and, and talked to him about the subject of being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's how the, the Bible, or that's how that book came out. Okay. Now, one of the things I'll have to say about Brother Kenneth Hagin, he's a stickler for the Word of God. Now, he's in heaven now. But he was a stickler for the Word of God. And he said, even if Jesus told him something, he said, Jesus, I know that you're here. I see you. I hear you. But 
I want you to back this up with scripture. I know what you're telling me, but I want you to give me a couple of scriptures from the Word of God to prove from the Word what you're saying. He said, you would have, he said, you would have thought Jesus would be angry at him. He said, he just smiled real big. He says, I sure will. And so he would just quote him scripture after scripture and tell him scriptures about being led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told him the primary way the number one way that God leads all of His children, the number one way is by the inward witness. Inward witness. The second way, He said, is by the inward voice. That's the more authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit that's in your spirit. I've heard that voice. I'm sure you have at times. Now, you don't hear it with these ears, but you hear it inside. You're like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time when I've heard that voice is in like, like 4 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, when your mind is quiet and you're just, you're just kind of waking up, you know, and it's easier to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Praise God. But here's what Jesus said. He said, the number one way that I'll, I lead all of my children is by the inward witness, not the inward voice. And he used this illustration. He said, he got a letter from a pastor that had a large church. Now, this, at this time, Kenneth Hagin was in the traveling ministry. He would travel, you know, and, uh, and then uh, um, he, for the first, almost nearly 12 first years, he was a pastor of a church. And he went onto the field after 12 years, nearly 12 years, he said, I think 11 and a half months or 11 and a half years. He said, then the Lord led me into the traveling ministry. He said, well, I got a letter from a pastor of a large church that invited me to come speak to his church, you know, and he had the letter there on his desk, you know. And he said, uh, and the Lord was, this is when the Lord appeared to him. He was showing him this, okay. He says, Here, here's how you're being led by the Holy Spirit. He got two letters, one from a very large church that invited him to come and preach at their church. The second was a small church, very small church, country church, that invited him to come to their church, and they even said it were a smaller church. And you know, if you find it in your heart, you know, we'd like to have you come and minister to us. You know, and and uh, uh, he said so. He pulled out his now back. This is back in the days before text messaging and email. You know, you just had a hard copied letter, right? They call it snail mail, right? <laughs> and uh, he said every time he get out a letter to write that pastor of the large church, he said. He would start to write it, and then he would crumble up the paper and throw it in the wastebasket. He didn't understand why. And this happened several times, he said, in the, in the couple of weeks. He said, I want to, because I wanted to get back. He said, I wanted to get back to this pastor. So he would write it. He said, ah, throw it in the wastebasket, you know. He said, Jesus told him. He said, you see me sitting here right now? He says, I'm telling you, you had an inward witness that said, don't go there. That's why you tore up the envelope, the letter, threw it in the mail. He says, but the other one, it was a small church. You had like a velvety-like feeling about it. He says, I'm here in the flesh telling you, go to that church. Okay? And Jesus told him that the first church that was going to have him wouldn't accept him as the way he would teach and the way he would flow. They wouldn't accept him. Okay? Now, that's a word of knowledge. Jesus is sitting there telling him this. He says, but I'm telling you, you're to go to that small church. 
And he says, man, I'm telling you, we had heaven. We went to that church, you know, and I'm telling you, we had heaven on earth and the provision was there. Everything was there, which you wouldn't think would be with a smaller church, right? But Jesus was showing him the number one way in Acts, I'm sorry, in Proverbs 20, 27, Jesus said this, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Now we'd say it like this, The spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord. So if God is going to enlighten us and direct us and show us things, He is going to show you via your spirit. And then He took him over to Romans chapter uh, I believe it is and it says for as many as are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God he said Jesus said this to him he says children of God can't expect to be led by the Spirit of God because that's because I live in them okay now just a real quick review back in the Old Testament you know sometimes people think you know that they had an advantage you know you think about Elijah Calm down fire from heaven, you know, outrunning the king's chariot, you know, all these mighty, you see Moses splitting the Red Sea, you know, you see Joshua, the walls of Jericho falling, you see, you know, uh, uh, who were some other characters, you know, some powerful things taking place in the Old Testament. You think, oh my goodness, look at this, you know. But here's the thing. Jesus said, none of them, under the, even David, did not have the Holy Spirit in them. Only, Jesus said this, only the prophet and the priest and the king in the Old Testament were, if you, the, the common believer, we would say the lay person, if they wanted direction, they had to go to the prophet, the priest, or the king to get direction for their lives. Now, that being said, the prophet, the priest, and the king did not have the Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit would come upon them and then leave come upon them and leave. That's why David could say it like this, Lord, take not thy spirit from me. Okay? Now we can't say that in the New Testament because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, even to the end of the world. And so if you want a direction, what a disadvantage. If you want a direction in the Old Testament, you couldn't look within because your spirit was dark. There was nothing there. The spirit of God was not in there. So you came up empty. So you had to go look for a prophet, a priest, or a king, man, to give you some direction, you know. And uh, some kind of outward, that's where, where Gideon had that fleece that he put out, you know, because that's unscriptural to do that, you know. said, so, Lord, if you're really talking to me, then I'll pay, put this fleece down. Let the ground be wet in the morning, but the fleece be dry. And then he reversed it. He put out a fleece. Well, God didn't have a problem with that in the Old Testament because they were spiritually dead. Okay? They weren't connected to God like you. But under the New Testament, folks, listen. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 says, We have a better covenant established upon better promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that means the Old Testament is inferior to the New Testament. Now, praise God for what happened in the Old Testament. But I'm telling you, you and I are under a new, te we are under the new covenant. We have a better covenant established upon better promises. Now, the status of the prophet in the Old Testament is different than the status of the, of the prophet in the New Testament. Now, the prophet in the New Testament will come along and he'll prophesy something. 
But if it's the Lord speaking through him, it'll only confirm what's already in your spirit. More lives have been, and I've been around long enough to see people's lives destroyed and ruined because of someone that prophesied over them. I remember the one back in 1982 or 81, there was a couple. Some guy prophesied over this guy. They just got married, you know, and prophesied, you're to, you're to be a missionary to China, you know, and so forth and so on. And man, he took that thing hook, line, and sinker. I remember this vividly. And I was like 21 years old, 22 years old at the time. And uh, it just didn't feel right. Even though he'd get up and brag, he said, the Lord, some guy prophesied to me, you know. And it wasn't a part of our church. It was outside the church that I was in. And uh, this guy, I'm telling you, he went, got, got rid of everything, moved to China. And I'm telling you, his life completely fell apart, lost his marriage, lost his kids, lost everything. Because he based his life on a prophetic utterance. But we are supposed to judge prophecy. Now, if somebody come, now I've had through the years some people prophesy some things to me, and it was rather interesting, yeah. needless to say. <laughs> Way back in the day, I'm, say, I'm saying, you know, and, and uh, thus saith the Lord, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's interesting because God didn't tell me that. You know, but here's here's what here's what I know from my spiritual father, brother Kenneth Hagin. He says, if somebody gives you a word and they prophesy, if it doesn't already bear witness with your spirit, what you have in your spirit, just put it on a shelf. We don't have to get ugly with people and get mean, but you just say they mean well. They just missed it, you know. But I, I on one occasion I remember very vividly when I was really wrestling with the call of God in my life back in the early days. And, uh, and I, I, I really felt like God was, was talking to me about going into the ministry. But see, I, if you know my testimony, I couldn't even speak publicly. I couldn't get up. I could not talk publicly. That was like the worst fear that I could ever have. Okay? Some of my kinfolk, some of my relatives, when they found out I was going into the ministry, they thought, <laughs> okay, <laughs> Wish you good reddens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, that was the attitude because they, that was so shy. I was so backwards. It was just fear is all it was. But I, I was really struggling at first because God kept knocking on my heart. You know, I was born again and he kept dealing with me about going into the ministry. But I thought, I'm the worst. I don't even know how to speak. I can't even. I failed my speech class in junior high school. I did. Because this, this class that we had, we had to give speeches. And I was like, oh, God, please. You know. And I just remember that they told us to have these little three-by-five recipe cards, you know, as like kind of like, you know, like notes, basically, you know. That, and, and I remember getting up there. And it's like the whole room just blanked out. I'm looking around. I'm like, it was like a haze. And it wasn't the glory of God, I can tell you that. <laughs> And I remember I was just so nervous, and all of a sudden the cards like flew everywhere. It was like they drop, and, they're, and they're, they're, they're out of order, of course, you know. I just slammed a book, went down, sat down in my class, took an F. Now, some people may not have that issue or that problem, but you know, Moses, when God called Moses, and I'm not comparing myself to Moses, please understand. Moses said, I'm not eloquent, I can't speak, I stutter. Right? 
Gideon, when God chose Gideon, he says, I'm the least of my family. I'm the poorest in Manasseh. I'm from the other side of the tracks. It seems like God does not check people's background before he calls them. <laughs> he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, right? So, long story short, you know, I, I said, oh, God. I said, I, I just, it was like I'd wake up every single day and I couldn't get away. I had this strong desire to, to go into the ministry, you know, and I just, I couldn't get away from it, you know. And, uh, and I remember saying something like this to the Lord. Lord, I want you to just confirm this to me. You know, I don't want to step out and just do something because it's just me wanting to do this. You know, and I'll never forget. I was invited. Um, I was in a really small church at this time. And there was a, a fellow that was coming through. His name was Bob Buse. You ever hear him? Um, he had the, the favor, the book on favor, the road to success. Uh, he's with Jesus now, but he, he's one of the early pioneers. And... Anyway, long story short, somebody invited, and I ended up, I don't know why we were late getting to the meeting, so when we got to the meeting, it was already going on, like with worship, you know, and, and there was, I was like, there's no seats left, you know, and it was a room about this size, it seemed like, and it was just jam cram packed in that room. So my friend and I showed up, I think we thought the meeting started at 7.30, and it was actually 7. <laughs> so, you know, we showed up, because I don't like to be late. When I go to a meeting, I want to be there before it starts, you know. I don't want to miss anything. And so some of the ushers had taken us up and placed us, got a couple of chairs for us and put us on the second row. And I mean, I was about from here to my wife right there. That's how far away it was from the speaker, okay? Now, I never heard of him before, never saw him before. All I know was somebody invited me, and he had, he had this book that changed people's lives on favor, the road to success, you know. And he was a Texan man, tall guy, cowboy boots, just real Southern, you know. But, and I was just mesmerized. I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm looking at him and think, wow. Because he, he started, he would teach the word of God. Then he would stop. And then he would say, someone over there is being healed of such and such. Okay. And, and all of a sudden, somebody would just jump up in the room and say, my God, I'm healed. I mean, just yell out, I'm healed, I'm healed. And they would stop and say, tell me what, what happened to you. Some people, some people, their teeth were being filled with gold. They had problems, their cavities and stuff. God was filling their teeth with gold. And people's eyesight, ears, hearing was coming back, you know. And I'm like, I'm just sitting. I've never been in a meeting like this before. I only heard about it. Now, as I'm sitting there towards the end of the service, this brother Bob, he's, he very, he's probably about six foot four, big, tall, skinny Texan with cowboy boots, which made him even taller. And he looks down at me, and he looks right at me, and I'm thinking, Ooh, <laughs> I hope he doesn't see something bad. <laughs> Make sure I repented for everything I did last week or something. You know? <laughs> he said, young men, you know, and I never met him before, never, never. He said, he said, the Lord, and I remember this, and this is stuff I've been praying about. Now, this is before I ever met Lynn. I never met her at this point, you know. He said, young man, you've been wrestling with the call of God, and the call of God is on your life. You are to go get training. And I was already made my, had my application for Raymond Bible Training Center. He goes, you're to go get training. He goes, and in the process, you will meet your wife. And I thought, oh, hallelujah, because I was looking for a wife, you know. <laughs> I was looking behind every rock. 
Where is she? You know what I'm saying? That's another story. Because I had, I did, I had a desire to get married, you know, and I, I thought, and I had tried a few times to make it come to pass, and the door just slammed shut on my face, you know what I'm saying? Thank God. And, he, and I thought, this guy read my, now the Lord through him read my mail. And I mean, I came out of that service, and I was like, it was like my goosebumps were parked on top of goosebumps in my body. I'm like, oh, man, I just felt the annoyance. I still feel that when I talk about that. I haven't talked about that in a long time. And, uh, but see, my point being is this, is that what he said to me was not new to me, okay? Because I felt all along that the Lord was already talking to me, okay, about going into ministry. But my biggest struggle was I, I can't speak. I can't talk. Now, if you know my relatives, you, you, would, you would understand that. I was extremely bashful and backwards. And I'll tell you, it was like a wrestling match with me because, oh, man, I remember going one time to a Jamonville, of all places. I went up there. I got saved there. I answered the call to the ministry there. You know, it's a sacred place to me. It's like an hour from here, something like up in the mountains, you know. It's a big 200-foot cross up there. And, and I remember just after this happened, I'm like talking to the Lord, you know. I was right during that same month, and I, it was at this time of year. And I'm walking along, and I said, I said, Lord, I, I, I really believe that you're talking to me, and I, I'm willing to obey what you... And that's when the Lord said this. He says, now that you're willing to obey me, he says, Keith, I don't call people that think they can do it in themselves. And I thought, Whew. He said, I don't call the eloquent. I don't call the people that think they have their, all, all their acts together. He goes, I call the most unlikely people. The Bible says, he's chosen the foolish things that confound the wise. Well, I qualified, you know. And he says, he goes, this is, a, he was showing me in my spirit. He said, this is your step of faith that you're going to step out and you're going to obey me and trust me. And I'll never forget the first time I spoke ever was at Rainbow Bible Training Center and behind the same podium that Brother Kenneth E. Hagin preached behind. If that wasn't intimidating in front of 200 students. And it, in my second year of Bible school, you know, one of our classes was, you know, we had to preach like a 15-minute sermon. Okay? I remember my wife, and it was, it was on divine healing. I remember that. Remember that? And my wife, you know, she had some previous experience ministering. I saw the anointing come on her prior to me even. And she helped me put that thing together. She, she stuck with me. That's one thing about that girl. She has stuck with me, man, through thick and thin. <sighs> Man, I'm telling you, you talk about a support beam uh, right there. But I, I remember getting up there and I'm thinking, I remember the last time I was in front of people, was a, this has a lot more people than, you know, than 25 people in a, in a classroom. We're talking 200 people here. But here's the difference. When I was talking, whatever, whatever I was supposed to talk about in English class, speech class, there was no anointing on that. It was a bunch of, a book report of a secular book, Right? The difference is now I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the Word of God. And I mean, I thought, if I just go through my note cards and I just do it verbatim, it's only going to take about two minutes. <laughs> and they want you to go about 15 minutes, right? Everybody say pressure. Okay. So you know my background a little bit, all right? 
Now, I've, this is the first time I'd ever experienced this before, ever. And I got up there, and I, when I looked at the crowd, this time I saw a fog, but it wasn't like, like, it was different. It was like the presence of God was in that room, the glory cloud. It was like a light mist, you know, it wasn't thick, but I could, it was like a, a mist. And from time to time, I've seen that in our meetings, you know, that the, the presence of God comes in, and the tangible presence of God gets, and it can come in like a cloud, Okay, in the Old Testament, it came in like a cloud that they couldn't even stand up because of the power of God. So here I here I am. I'm talking about the things of healing, and as I'm sharing, as I'm ministering, all of a sudden, thoughts were popping in my head, like this example or this illustration or this scripture, and it was like, wow! But it didn't happen until I stepped behind the podium. And it wasn't when I was sitting down waiting my turn. It was, there was, I felt nothing, zippo. But when I got up there and opened my Bible and I, saw my, and I got my notes out and I began to talk, something came on me. And it was good. And people were smiling. And some people were laughing. But it wasn't like because I did something stupid. That sometimes you can be funny but not even trying to be. You know, I never, ever, ever try to be funny, ever. I know. That's just not my personality. <laughs> I was a doggone serious person, man, I'm telling you. When I first met Lynn, you know, she's just kind of funny. She goes, I was getting to wonder, does he have teeth? <laughs> Didn't you think that? I Now, you didn't really believe that, did you? Because... I was, so, I was so serious about my walk with God, and I was. I was really serious. I forgot one thing, joy. Because, I, you know, I was a firstborn. You know what I'm saying? I, was a, I, wanted to, I was, had this personality. I just wanted to accomplish. I wanted to work. I wanted to do good. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to do the best job I could possibly do. But here's the thing. I was leaving out joy. So I had to loosen up a little bit. <laughs> Just loosen up and enjoy the ride. Amen? I make mistakes all the time if I get up and preach. It's, uh, if I go back and hear the tape, there's, oh, I could have did this different, said this differently. You know, I make mistakes. I don't care. Okay? I just want to give out what God's trying to tell me to say. And if I'm not going to put myself under that pressure. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. And I'll leave you with that here today because we're out of time. You don't have to be saved for 20 years, go to Bible school to know how to be led by the Spirit of God. You can, be, you can learn the very first day, the very first moment you receive Christ into your life. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You're his sheep, you hear his voice. And he's able to lead you and guide you. Say this with me. Say, Father, Father I am your sheep. And I wholly desire, I wholly desire for, you to lead me for you to lead me supernaturally. supernaturally. I, expect I expect the leading, the leading of, the of the Spirit of God to be strong, to be strong from, this from this moment forward in my life. In, my life. in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.